The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Calls. I am David Grubb, and alongside me is our editor-in-chief from the Bird Rights, Ali Cosell. Ali, we have officially begun Pelicans preseason basketball. Last night, the Pels lost in Minnesota, 117-114 to the Timberwolves. Scored really doesn't matter to me, and you and I have this conversation all the time about score. It's not about what the final score is, how you got there um, during the preseason. First, let's before we get into what was last week, let's do the immediacy of last night um, and talk about what were your first impressions of this team uh, for the 2021 edition? Yeah, so the biggest talk out of training camp, out of Nashville, the informal workouts, was energy, energy and effort that these guys play with. And I think we saw it on display last night, although, of course, it didn't lead to promising results, especially at the start, right? I mean, the 15 turnovers in the first half. Really, I look at the 17 turnovers through the first 25 minutes because they came out of halftime sloppy, too. And that really set the tone. But you know what? They never quit, David. When we saw this team pass for renditions, go through these kind of doldrums, just they're off and fumbling the ball clumsy. They didn't put much of a fight to get back into it to where you felt like everybody was on the same page. We're, we're not going to lose this game. You know, you saw some guys trying. Sometimes they'd make some comebacks. But Alvin Gentry, remember the famous phrase was always with him. You know, we just dug ourselves too much of a hole. But I'm proud of how the guys fought to get back. Mm-hmm. It felt different. It wasn't like that this time. Because in the opening quarter, right, Najee Marshall really set a nice tone. That guy was everywhere. Where the ball was, you could find him. I um, mean, he had six points, five rebounds very early. He's diving on the ball or diving on after loose balls. And, and there were other guys, I thought, setting kind of the same tone or trying to, right? But they were outclassed. Let's face it, Minnesota came out. Doc Cat, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards were on it. And the Pelicans did very little to slow them down. And it was no surprise, right? Willie Hernan Gomez started at center. And if he, he had, if he didn't show it to people last year, he's not a starter in this league. I mean, bless his heart. He tries, but he just can't keep up, can't make the rotations, can't close out well. And, of course, offensively, he's limited. I mean, it showed you when he got denied at the rim on an early dunk attempt, right? He just can't compete with these guys, like I said, the starters in the league. And so they were behind the eight ball. Brandon Ingram tried to get guys going early, couldn't do it, and therefore he wasn't really getting his shot. And when he's not getting his and everybody else isn't, well, you saw what happened, right? They just couldn't score, especially early. Started 0 for 6 from the field. It took a Najee tip in to get the first points up. But it started to turn around when the second unit came in and led by Nikhil, right? He got off to a blazing start, assist to Josh Hart for the Pels' first three, had a couple good buckets afterwards, and you saw – the talent that everybody's been talking about. I mean, from Antonio Daniels to people I've talked to within practice, everybody said, Nikhil, he's ready for that breakout third season. I think he showed that last night. And, you know, they, they fell apart towards the end of the second quarter. Pelicans were, what, within about 10, 11 points, but suddenly the margin becomes 20 at a halftime because that transition defense was awful. You know, they just – when you give up the ball, let's face it, those live ball turnovers, there's little you can do, David. We've always talked yep. about you've got to avoid those. Every coach has talked about it, and they didn't. But they cleaned up their act in the second half, like I said. And, and Trey Murphy, the rookie, he shined. Boy, he really led a comeback charge um, to where you felt like the Pelicans could actually maybe sneak back in and steal this game. They almost did, but that's not what we care about, right, especially results in preseason. It's how the guys finish for me and, and the fact that Nikhil and Trey Murphy really shine. So that was my biggest takeaways. What about you? Um, my first thing is that, I, you know, I think we both went into this knowing everything was going to be unbalanced because you didn't have your front court. Um, without Jonas Valanciunas out with the spring thumb, without Zion, 
whom we'll get into deeper, but um, in a moment, because I have some questions about that. But um, without Zion, your front court, the the and the really what you're talking about, fifty points a night, forty points, forty plus points a night. If you're getting twenty seven from Zion and you're getting seventeen, if, you, if Jones Valanciunas is playing around his averages of seven seventeen points a night. So you, that's 44 points that you're missing. And that's a lot of rebounds. It's 19, 20 rebounds you're missing. And just the, the gravity, again, of Zion pulling people and uh, changing the, 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 the weight of the court and the balance of the court. Um, so, I, you know, you knew things were going to have to be different in that regard. You can't start Garrett Temple and think that you're going to get the same kind of impact. Um, so I think that, that that was something for Willie to have to deal with. And, and that changes defensively, too. Your size, like you said, the limitations that they had with size, length, athleticism up front, that changes you defensively. Um, but I think this, the the one thing that that, that same problem is the, the carelessness with the basketball. Um, and that's something that you really want to see um, addressed over the preseason games. You say, I don't care if they score 120 or 50 points. As long as they're making sound decisions with the basketball, because ultimately shots will go down on a nightly basis. There's there's too much talent on this team offensively for them not to score. But you cannot create, continue to make mental mistakes. And that's the biggest jump from being a team that wins 32, 35 games to being an actual playoff team is the mental growth. I like the young players. I think they play with aggressiveness. I think that they play with intent and with purpose. Um, and that's important to see out of the gate that they want to be on the floor. They want minutes. Um, I was a little disappointed in the Vets. I was a little disappointed in how they came out. Um, and I still wanted to see, and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not saying this to harp on it, but I still want to see Brandon Ingram really set a tone. And he didn't come out and set the tone and say, look, these first five minutes, I don't care what we do, we're going to get it right the first five minutes. We have to come out here and do what coaches ask us to do, what we've been practicing the last few days. And I just didn't see that kind of cohesion. And I know, like I said, I know it's not a, the full starting lineup, but you haven't had Zion since camp started. So at least those guys on the perimeter should have some sense with each other. And the biggest thing for me is, like you said, with Nikhil, and we've talked up a little bit about his role, is I think Nikhil has so much talent that you have to carve out a unique place for him in this lineup because there's just things that he can do that cannot be limited by having too many people around him. You know what I mean? Like it has to be the right kind of people and having him be able to create and do all the things that he is because he is so dynamic offensively. Um, I just really, I really like where he's going. Uh, I'm really impressed by him and just, we've always kind of felt he was a, a, a wild card. Like he could either be, I think he had the biggest upside of any of the guys that that um, Griffin and, and, and company have drafted over those these three years, just because of his his growth physically, the people that I talked to him in college, his intensity on defense, um, and then his offensive versatility. That, that kid can be a, a twenty plus point scorer, seven assists, five rebound, two steals a night kind of player um, if he gets to that level. And and uh, I'm liking the jump. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add is I agree with you. I was wondering, where's B.I., right? Pelicans cannot score the ball. Where, why is the ball not finding B.I.? And um, he ended up doing his kind of ISO. And it really showed up, I thought, in the third quarter where he's like, you know what, things aren't working. This .5 system where I thought they were moving the ball, but it was ending up in turnovers. wasn't working. So he took it upon himself, right? And he got off, what, about three, four jumpers that, you know, went in and he looked good doing it. But in the first half, David, I thought defensively, he tried, he was trying harder and it was noticeable. He got in his stance a few times, but all I liked more was that he was finding the ball when it was away from the ball. There was a break. I remember uh, Minnesota had, he got between the ball and the man and ended up forcing a turnover. And he, he made some kind of steal uh, on a, some kind of 20 foot pass. I remember and he got his hands on a third ball. So he was definitely more active. Um, but I agree with you. You watching cat on the other side, D'Angelo, even Anthony Edwards doing their thing early and Pelicans weren't, they were struggling. It seemed like Najee was really trying to just be the guy spearheading, right? The offense. I was hoping to see B.I. do what we saw in the third quarter, do it right there in the first quarter. And we didn't. So I did notice that he was trying to play make a little bit more, David. 
And I thought in general with the Pels, like Devontae, B.I., they threw some catchable balls, but they weren't caught, right? And then, of course, them settling for the outside jumpers way too much. Garrett Temple especially took a couple of contested ones. He didn't fit at all. And it showed that he probably hadn't run with the starters all week, right? So I think that with Hernan Gomez starting at center really led to that start we saw. Yeah, it's just it. There's going to be more pressure, and and let's let's transition this to the Zion question, because he has not practiced to this point. He's not really running at this point. I do not believe that the, the he'll be there for game one. I just I, I can't believe that he's going this body that they have spent so much time talking about. They want to protect and preserve that they're going to all of a sudden ramp him up for game action after missing the entire preseason, and let's say he doesn't start running until next week. I just, I, I can't see how he'll be ready to go for week one. And that means more pressure on Brandon Ingram from day one to be this person that everyone has said that he's come back as this offseason, this leader that 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 is supposed to be ready to assume the mantle. Okay, well, this will be the, the test of it right out the gate. Zion's got 15 days to get himself right before the first regular season game. And I'm with you. I don't see how that's possible. It seems there's too many steps involved from where he is now physically versus where he needs to get to. And like you said, you got to be careful with a guy of his size and his injury history. So I think the Pelicans obviously are. They've always leaned towards the side of caution. And so they're going to do it here, undoubtedly. And the fact that I've only seen him after practices dribbling uh, with Teaspoon and getting up some shots, like you said, he's not even running. That, that, to me, screams he's probably three or four weeks away at a minimum, right? So I'm guessing he's going to miss at least two weeks of the regular season. But as you mentioned, B.I., I mean, the pressure's on. He, he's always invited this pressure, right, David? Ever mm-hmm. since he arrived in New Orleans, he talked to the media, he talked about beating people that were making more money than him and, and wanting, the, wanting that challenge, basically. But he hasn't really seized it. I think, fortunately for him, he's going to have Valanchunas in the lineup. Also, I think Willie Green might have to change up the rotations. You know, he's got three more preseason games to play with, but if it's still clunky, if B.I. still can't find space, then maybe you throw Nikhil in there. Maybe you start Trey Murphy. But either way, Pelicans still have time to figure it out. I think they'll be okay from that standpoint um, in helping B.I. get going if Zion's going to miss some time. But it's going to be on him mentally. You know, is he going to be the leader of this team? Because – He's the senior player now. This is his team as far as the the most seniority um, and the highest stature amongst the players. It's not Josh Hart. It's Brandon Ingram. He's the only one besides Zion who's been an all-star. He's the one who's been here the longest. He's the one who survived these different coaching staffs and all this stuff. So he has to be the guy to pull this thing together. Um, And I think it's, 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 he's going to be judged in a lot of ways this season about, not the demonstrable things again. It's not about how what he says, because Brandon has said things. It's going to be does you know in those second quarters that where he struggled in the fourth quarters when he struggled, does he try too hard to play make or does he let it come naturally? Which we've talked about before with him is off the dribble, you know, making something move and then making the pass, or is it him trying to pound the basketball and create something? I think it's going to be a big test. And, and these these other things that we wanted to see out of his game, we didn't really see last night the mid post as much, you know, things working out that maybe that's lineup dependent, but I want to see some of those things out of him as well um, in the early going when he's going to have more freedom offensively. There, there are now shots that are going to be available for him every night, an extra five, six, seven shot attempts that are going to be out there for him. And we're going to see how he takes advantage of that. Yeah. Um, Brandon's done and said all the right things, supposedly, this summer, right? He noticeably, to his credit, looks bigger. There's no doubt he's stronger. I mean, what was the word when he first arrived in New Orleans? Couldn't do a push-up, barely could do some sit-ups. And it showed, I thought, right? I mean, the stamina, as you mentioned, David, towards this, what, middle of the second half, maybe towards the end of the third quarter, or definitely in the fourth quarter. The guys running out there are like half steam, right? The legs aren't there. The jumpers are coming up short, or they're kind of flat. He's also having a much more difficult time getting to his spots, right? And defensively, he's not giving you anything, nothing on the glass. So hopefully, you know, I know we didn't see it yesterday, but you know what? Yesterday's game, when he was out there, was when Minnesota had their stars and they were rolling. 
That's when the Pelicans were just turnover after turnover. So we didn't get a clear read on what he's capable of with this new body. And I think we probably will on Wednesday. I think he, he took it to heart. That's why we saw him come out, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a blaze in that third quarter. Like, no, no, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to see if I can do this. I'm going to prove to you guys. And he did. So I think Wednesday, hopefully, he'll step forward. Because this team needs him. It can't just be Zion. B.I., he's currently considered like a top 30 player. He's going to have to play better than that. He's going to have to give him on both sides of the ball. And I think he's ready. I think from everything I've heard from people, he's approaching the game differently. And they've noticed it in practice. Those have been able to watch. So I'm very curious to see it come out during, you know, next game, next couple of games. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not – I don't think, you know, yesterday we are going to say, well, that's, that, that is a referendum on anything. It's the first preseason game with a very new and young team. Um there's a lot of folks who ask about the impact of Mike D'Antoni and I understand, and I, I get it. But my thing is this for a lot of these guys, like it's particularly if you're Brandon Ingram, you've seen this stuff already because Alvin Gentry had the same basic principles. You know, this is the same stuff. Willie's not even really bringing a whole bunch of different stuff too, because the things that Willie ran when he was at golden state, same principles, you know what I mean? So I think it's, it's some fine tuning of having the guy who's considered the originator of it, but this isn't foreign language to a number of these guys um, on the roster. And, and it's a really, it's a relatively simple concept. I mean, you know, all the, the years that we spent with Alvin talking about this, same principles, move the ball quickly. And once you've let the ball go, you move. And that's just the whole genesis of this thing. It's very simple. It's predicated on constant movement and motion. So, I mean, I think D'Antoni can be of service in the greater sense of making sure you under, that those fundamentals are maintained. But ultimately this isn't a, I don't think it's a dramatic change for anybody on this team and in, in how they approach the offense. No, definitely not. Willie Green has been talking about pace, pushing it. And then 0.5 where when you catch the ball within 0.5 seconds, you have to have already determined, are you going to drive, shoot or pass? And I saw the guys really trying to do that in the first half, especially in the first quarter. And as I mentioned, it failed, right, spectacularly. So I I know that they'll go back to those concepts and such, but I think that is rooted in obviously what Mike D'Antoni has always liked to do. And I think, honestly, he's going to help B.I. more than probably any of the other players, right? Devontae, just because he can't get to the rim, you can't really think that he's going to be the guy. It's got to be somebody that can do everything, right, from all three levels. And really, B.I. is the only one on this team that you can trust to do that. And so that's why I said I saw him looking early to make passes that weren't there. And I feel like that was probably maybe a little bit of Mike D'Antoni, right? Same, of course. But let's see you kind of initiate the offense, especially in the half court, and get the others involved. And like I said, the passes just weren't getting completed. Yeah. There's a lot of – it's a lot like quarterbacking. And I think that when you have young players and you tell them – pass the ball quickly, they start making predetermined passes because they want to make their decision. They're like, I don't want to get in trouble for making a slow decision. Like there's an actual 0.5 clock that somebody's holding on the sideline and judging. And I think, you know, any young player, when your coach is trying to instill something into you, you overdo it because you're trying to learn that, that, that new skill. And I think that's what happens when you have a team that hasn't played together. And then you have a bunch of young players is that they're they're as soon as they catch the ball, they're saying, I saw this guy open, boom. Or and they're making that decision too quickly. It's not they're not processing the information and getting it done. They're anticipating the information and trying to do something with it. And I think that comes with time. That's going to take work. But this is not a team that's going to struggle to score. It's not. It's going to score. It's good. The same problems that exist, I think ultimately are the ones that have been there for two years. Can you close possessions and can you not turn the basketball over and make mental mistakes and critical points? And we won't know that until we get into real games. Yeah. And um, the Pelicans really, like I said, playing with Hernan Gomez and Temple on the lineup. That's why you don't take anything away from what the starters did. Um, but what you had hoped to see was from the guys that will be playing together. And I thought, even though I praised Nikhil and kind of the second unit, defensively, they weren't very strong. And I've got to point the finger at Jackson Hayes. I thought that, yeah, he was trying, but he wasn't trying hard enough. He wasn't in position enough. His rotations were slow. I didn't see efforts on boxing out people, right? Um, And I felt like he was a little bit too much talking to the referees. 
he got a shot rejected. Then he had a layup or something like that where he thought he got fouled too. He's talking too much, right? When the action's so quick, right? If they're going like this, like this, Minnesota's really pushing the pace as well, naturally, under Chris Finch. And I just wasn't impressed, honestly, because we had heard about Jackson Hayes being able to do all these different things. And defensively, that's where he's got to shine for this team. You know what Nodge is going to give you. You know what Herb Jones, you know what some of these wing defenders are going to do. But you still need that paint presence. You need somebody that's going to be a second line of defense. Because as we know, they have the NBA so talented, right? There's so many good players. Even the average players, guess what? They can beat a man usually one-on-one. On, one and so you need a second line of defense, and I did not see that yesterday. And it's not just on Jackson Hayes. There were rotations to the, uh, where Minnesota was driving from, say, top of the key and kicking it to the weak side corner. The rotations sometimes didn't even get out there to contest a shot. So that's the stuff they've got to clean up without a doubt. The, the, my concern with Jackson when, when he came back um, is not, has nothing to do with what happened in L.A., um, but it's, you know, we've always talked about his maturity. And what I worried about was there's so much praise coming his way now. And I think that's dangerous for a player who has not had a whole bunch of, had to do a whole bunch of work in a sense to get to where they are. You know, Jackson got here on the strength of this phenomenal athleticism that he has, this natural talent. And I'm not, I don't want anybody to say that, that, that I'm not saying he does work. But what I'm saying is, there's something that in parenting that they talk to you when you're talking to your kids, it's you can't just keep telling your kid how great they are. You have to tell them why they can become great, that you have to do the work. You have to be consistent in your effort, all those things. You can't just boost them up. And it just feels like Jackson is getting so much boosting right now. Everybody's talking about he's going to shoot the ball so well, and he's got added this to his game and he's done this. The main thing, and I got in trouble for this last year, was saying you didn't draft Jackson Hayes to be a stretch four. You drafted him to be your rim protector. You drafted him to be the guy who protected Zion Williamson at the rim because you knew Zion was not at six seven is not going to be your post presence. He's supposed to be the, the enforcer in a lot of ways on the defensive end, not a physical presence like you know as a as, as a DeAndre Jordan type, but a Jared Allen. That's what you were looking for defensively out of Zion, out of uh, um, Jackson Hayes. The offense is bonus. The offense is bonus because you still got 50 points a game coming from these two all-stars that you have, and your backcourt has scores in it, and Nikhil and Devontae Graham. So you're not counting on Jackson Hayes to be your sixth man and give you 15 to 19 points a night. If Jackson comes off the bench and gives you nine and nine with two blocks, that's good for me. I'd be very satisfied with that on a nightly basis. Hayes, but I think people want him to be an offensive star because of the dunks, because of the the times that you've seen him make threes. But the biggest need the Pelicans have is his interior defense. Yeah, I mean, look at all the good teams, um, David. They've got somebody that does and fill that role, right? Um, you look at some of the lesser names that really shine last year, like Nick Claxton, or um, who who is the center that the Washington Wizards picked up? It's escaping me right now. Oh, Daniel. Um, yeah, Gafford. 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 Right. It, it, and you saw the difference-making abilities just by those guys on kind of mediocre teams. Jackson's got to be able to provide that. He's got to give Wendell you the Mitchell Carter Robinson. Wendell Carter when he got to Orlando. Yeah, something like Mitchell Robinson, what he's able to do for New York. I would love for him to honestly mimic Nerlens Noel, right? The guy's kind of finally figured out what his role is in the league. And defensively, he's a star. He also clean up the boards. That's what the Pelicans need out of Jackson. Honestly, I think that's probably the key for him in making a lot of money in this league, right? Yeah, making an occasional three is nice for show, but he's not going to become a consistent three-point shooter. So few big men ever do, right? And so I don't think that should be his goal. He's so good at rim running. Uh, you, you don't know how much gravity that alone creates within an offense when a guy is able to have that ability and he's running to the rim hard and you've got good passers on the team. So I would like for him, like you just said, stick to the basics. Biggest thing right now, I hope that ankle injury isn't severe because it looked pretty bad. I mean, yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, if you were listening to Pelican's feed, you really heard him groaning. And we've seen him twist his ankle in the past, and he didn't really show that much emotion, but he did last night. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he doesn't miss a in terms of weeks, like say three or four, because the Pelicans can ill afford to honestly lose him. They don't have any bigs. You don't have any bigs. You have Jonas Valanciunas and Willie Hernan Gomez behind 
Zion yeah, Williams. if they even talk, think about it, if there's no Zion for the first couple of weeks or whatever, and then you missing Jackson, what do you do? You have nothing up front. You have nothing up front. And that's, we talked about this after the draft. We talked about this after free agency. We said, where are the bigs? And now you have this over surplus of long wings. You have so many guys who are going to be competing for minutes at the wing positions to defend in particular. So if you're giving Brandon Ingram 33 minutes a night, and if you're giving Nikhil Alexander 30 minutes a night, Nikhil Alexander-Walker 30 minutes a night, where are those minutes for Trey Murphy, Herb Jones to get in there and defend and to do those things? And, and like I said, I firmly believe Garrett Temple is going to get 10 to 15 minutes a night. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, especially in the early part of the season where, where Willie is going to need a veteran. He's going to want somebody out there to calm it down and to be the adult in the room. And still with Sadoransky, we want to see how is he going to be used. I was going to ask you about him because how did he look to you? I honestly wasn't all that impressed. He was trying to set up guys, but he, the fit wasn't there. It was kind of clunky, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, we thought he was a, a target to be moved. And I still think that there has to be some type of trade this season. That's the thing. is And, and David Fisher's talked about this as well as, as some type of consolidation trade because you have too many of one type now, again. Before it was too many six foot four inch guards, and now you have too many six foot eight inch forwards, and you've got to move a couple of these guys now. And Sadoransky at least could help a veteran team. There are places that he could go and do something uh, for somebody. I mean, I could see him as a fit in in Utah or in Portland or in someplace else. You know, where you need an experienced guard who can give you ten to fifteen minutes. I don't think he fits the style of play that the Pelicans want to do. And I don't think defensively he's going to add enough for them in that guard rotation to help. That's not anything against Thomas Sadoransky. It's just that fit is so important. And I don't think he fits with this group. Yeah. I don't want to draw too many conclusions from just one game either, but I saw for instance, he wasn't able to complete a pass to Jackson Hayes where he had a step on his man for a dunk. Then they had a break where I think it was four and three or something along those lines. He ended up just pulling the ball back. He ended up, I think, tossing it to Najee in the right corner where Najee kind of created, found Brandon Ingram for a free dunk underneath the rim once he got open. I just didn't see Sato's impact at all. And I feel like if you surround him with weapons, we should be able to see that, right? I think that's the goal with him. He's a seasoned vet who can make all the passes, see over defenses. And when you leave him open, he'll make you a three. But like I said, I didn't see any of that last night. And defensively, I've always thought he's just been kind of average, right? He yeah. just can only use his length to his advantage, but I didn't really see any kind of impact there either. So I honestly thought he's Kyra. not particularly quick. And that's the Pelicans' biggest problem. Is yeah, he's competing, right? yeah, I was just going to say he's competing with Kyra. And I thought Kyra actually, after a very timid first half when he got some minutes, looked actually pretty good in the second half to where I thought he even looked better than at any point during a summer league play. So if you're going to play Sato, he's got to prove he's worthy of the minutes. Otherwise, you're sitting Kyra, and he's going to get DMPs. And and I'm worried about Kyra, too, though, because I don't think you can count on him to give you three straight games any in any week of consistent play at this stage. He's too young. He's too raw. He doesn't have the minutes. And we've talked a lot about how they're going to utilize Birmingham this year. And I think, you know, Herb Jones um, and Kyra and D.D., need to be spending as much time in Birmingham as possible because there are not minutes. And I know Willie Green wants to say he wants to go 10, 11 deep, but we know that's not how the NBA works. You just know that's not how it works. You can't do that every night. Now, if, you have, if you're forced into it, okay. But on a night-to-night basis, it's nine guys. It's nine. And you're, you, we already know who the vast majority of that nine is. Just because of circumstance, seven or eight of them are locks. You know, and and so that's that's the thing with me is if you're going to have the back end of this bench, then that's why you have to move a couple of these young guys to get veterans who are fine sitting. And but when they come in, I know what their floor is. And the Pelicans need a couple of more of those, particularly in the front court. They they really need some bigs that you can just like this is that Ed Davis type is the perfect player that, that that would help this team right now. Maybe not Ed Davis himself anymore, mm-hmm. but that type, a guy who you could just put out there and say a Dwight Powell type, you know, that kind of guy. Brandon uh, Clark, if Minnesota has soured on him, that's the right. one that Kevin, a lot of us have talked about. Brandon Clark had a great rookie year. 
Um, so I think, you know, it could be just the wrong place, wrong time for him. But there has to be somebody who could come in and settle this down. Even a Patrick Patterson type would have been fine yeah. for me. Um, but it's just I think that's missing from this group in order to make them make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Because I think the talent, the upside, we would both agree. There's plenty of talent, plenty of talent. But I just don't know if the mix is right yet. No. And fortunately, there's, what, three more preseason games. And I think the best thing is they all come in a row. So let's see you make those in-game adjustments, maybe change your rotation here or there, and see what happens. Because then after all that, you've got nine days to evaluate, right? Work on the things that you need to work on to clean up before the start of the regular season. So I think, honestly, the schedule, preseason schedule, plays to the Pelicans' favor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're going to be able to clean up, first of all, all the turnovers we saw in last night's game. Defensively, the guys that weren't able to ro- make the rotations they should have. Stuff like that. And so, because the talent is there, David, the athleticism is there on this team. And and that's what I think you want to see. You want to see this team always have a chance to win a game. And then the close ones, you push through by having some guys step up and, and make enough shots. But also because that energy and effort that we saw in Summer League, that's, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies have basically had over the last two years. You know, you win more games than you honestly think that talent should. Yep. Let that propel them to a decent start this season, even if you're without Zion for a couple of weeks. The start is going to be so huge. And it has been for throughout this team's history. It's, it's do you get off to good starts? And that's the NBA. You have to, it's, it, you dig a hole um, and it's hard to get out of. And this is a division um, in the South with the Southwest division that Dallas, yep. I think is, is good. And you and I had a correspondence with, with our sister, our brother, partner um, website with the Dallas Mavericks. And Dallas, I think is in a very similar situation to the Pelicans where you have this elite player, Luka Doncic, you have a guy who is a potential all-star in Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who has his own issues, but and and you're trying to find these pieces to put around this generational talent, Luka Doncic, who we would say has disappointed in the sense that the Mavericks have not won a playoff series in these first two years, and he's been in the MVP conversation. Well, now you go to third year with Luka, um, and you got Zion in his third year officially, even though he's only played 85 games. This this has to be the year that Zion makes his leap. And I think for Brandon Ingram, when we go in the NBA, by year six or seven, we know who you are. It doesn't change after that. You may add things to your repertoire. You may uh, you know, add another skill. But the type of competitor, the type of player you are, by that point, we should know. And so I think this is his test. All the other things are gone. There are no more questions about who's here and who's not. Brandon Ingram is in as secure as a place that he can possibly be. So I think it's it's it comes down to those two guys. Um, but going into the next game, Molly, give me three things strategically or skill-wise that you'd like to see the Pelicans demonstrate in the next preseason game. Well, first of all, please cut down the turnovers and make the offense a little bit more cohesive. Right. Without that, you're not going to look good on any part of the floor. You're going to be just scrambling, right, trying to catch up, whatever the situation is. Secondly, I think you want to see, and I didn't see too much of this, the communication defensively wasn't there. I, I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, in last night's game, Minnesota off either just a one-on-one or off a simple pick and roll, we're getting space. You know, our guys were diving because like they wanted to play drop coverage. And so – the guys that were covering the perimeter, they were given too much space. And, of course, Willie Hernan Gomez was really just sitting south of the free throw line. And like I said, there was just too much space for Minnesota. So defensively, even though some people said I didn't see flaws, I saw plenty of them because you've got to be up into your guys. And I think that's always been a favorite saying of Alvin and I think even Willie. Um, I'm starting to kind of get that vibe. You've got to make the opponent feel you. And mm-hmm. so that's what I want to see. I want to see the Pelicans dictate because they were doing that in the summer league, right? Yep. They were getting up into people's faces, forcing them into uncomfortable situations. It I was can't relentless. recall one defensive. Yeah, there was not one instance in last night's game, right? Can you recall where that happened? No, most of the term- turnovers came because of individual, you know, talent, like Nikhil's length, Brandon's length, and stuff like that. So, yeah. And just mistakes. Just that work you know, on those fundamentals. Mistakes fundamentals, David. 
Yeah, it's, it's all about fundamentals. Can you clean up enough of those, find rotations that work for uh, tomorrow's game? And which player will you be watching the most? Is it Jackson? B.I., undoubtedly. Yeah. We just talked about for the reasons why. No, Brandon, he should have, if he didn't know, he should have sensed it in the middle of last night's game after the first minute. He needs to be that assertive guy, the leader, and not just with the ball in his hands trying to put it through the hoop, through every single facet, making sure people are in the right places defensively setting a tone remember he said i want to be a presence this year towards going to trickle down to my teammates i didn't see enough evidence mm-hmm. of that that's the thing from from opening tip and i said that yesterday on twitter it was like i wanted to see him from the opening tip that is that first minute of the first preseason game should set the tone for the entire season and i just feel like had you know you watched the nets in their first game you watched a couple of these other teams that came out and they wanted to, you know, show you, hey, this is we're back. And when you look at a team like Minnesota, and I know people like to, you know, say, look how bad Minnesota is all these years. Minnesota beat the Pelicans, has had a winning record against the Pelicans the last three years, and has beaten the Pelicans pretty badly at, in some of those instances. So these are comparable teams, and and so you you if they're coming out with intensity, then you need to match it. And 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 the Pelicans have to, you know, you're coming home. Okay, fine. You, look, we know there won't be a giant crowd. You know that's not going to happen. But you're coming home, and, and you need to establish this now, that at home is going to be a tough place for people to visit, even in the preseason. That you know, and we saw this that first preseason was on. It was a lot of close games, exciting as far as score went, and everybody got too excited about that. Look for the little things, and and something I would like to see them implement in game two. I would like to see how. Brandon runs the pick and roll a little more. Um, same with different players, Nikhil and Jackson, I think could be very good in a pick and roll situation. If you put them together, um, I'd like to see some of that more. Um, and then that second unit, I would like to see. Yeah. Just give me more of that. Of tr- give me more Trey because I think that outside of Zion, Trey will probably have the most impressive rookie year of any of the, the rookies of the last group. You know, he's farther along than Nikhil was. He's farther along, certainly than Jackson, farther along than Kyra. Um, but there's more than it to that. There is something mentally that he brings to the table that I really, really like. There's, there's something special there. Um, and quite honestly, I said this, um, to somebody yesterday, I said, if the Pelicans have a really bad season, let's say it, it, the worst case mm-hmm. plays out, and we don't see particularly that jump from from Bi in particular, because I think the pressure should be on him at this stage. Do you start thinking about it? We've talked about this in years past. Do you initially have to start thinking about say is Trey the future alongside Zion because of their age closeness? Now we're not dealing with year eight compared to your four of Zion as you keep going. And that gap in age is going to feel bigger as you go forward. And then you say, okay, you get a little bit less price with um, uh, Trey, and we can go move some of these other things and get a different third guy or second guy mm-hmm. in this mix. I think that it would be a legitimate question, depending on how Trey plays. And this is way ahead, but on how yeah. Trey plays and if the Pelicans have a worst-case scenario type season. I think – but it's just to, to, to me to illustrate and underline that there is legitimate pressure on Brandon Ingram and he has to embrace it um, this year. Yeah. He wanted this role. He's wanted from day one. We've already talked about this. Now's his time. I mean, you went after the bubble talking about how to the trainers turn me into the player that I need to become Help me with my weakness. And that obviously didn't happen this off season. We heard all the right stuff and, you know, we see it, the results in his body, right? And from everything we've heard that we haven't been privy to watching, like I said, in the informal workouts training camp where he's actually just just a kind of different presence, a different approach. There's leadership there. He has to show that every game. That's what the best players in this league do, right? There's a reason why I was watching the Miami Heat and Atlanta Hawks, a little bit of their game last night after the Pels, and I got done writing up the recap. And you saw right off the bat Kyle Lowry. Set a tone from Miami early. Tyler Hero got it going. But they started talking about Jimmy Butler. And I didn't know this. Jimmy Butler, when he played last year, Miami, went, I think they said 33-19 and 19, when he sat 7-13. and 13. That's the type of influence Brandon Ingram's got to have on this team. Yep. 
Yep, and it, it's it's about winning and dominating his individual matchup every night. And that's what he that's it, it goes back to that one phrase last year that he said, I want to kill the guy in front of me every game. And we didn't see that last year. And I think that's going to be the difference. And I think that's the difference for Zion too, is that he has to find a, another level of aggression. If he says he's as angry as he is about not making the playoffs, that he's going to do whatever it takes. And I believe he means that. I certainly do. I have no reason to believe the Zion is a disingenuous person. I absolutely think that's what he wants. But do you have it? And, and I can't say, I, you know, that's not something that we can look at. And no, it's only seen in those moments. And this will be, we'll have to find out too. In the last five minutes, is Zion going to do what he did at on occasions last year and just let other people decide not to give him the ball? You know, are you going to command that basketball when those times when your teammates aren't looking for you? Are you going to go get it? And that's the things that we're going to be looking for. Um, I hope Valanchunas is, is able to play in this next yeah, game. me too. Because they need it to have all four of them, at least in these last three games, to try to figure out that starting lineup and who's going to play the four spot. I don't want to see Garrett Temple play in the four spot. I'd rather see Najee at the four than see Garrett Temple at the four. Yeah, and go ahead and start maybe Trey, right? Yeah, I don't think you want to go with Josh Hart. He's just made for coming off the bench. And I think Nikhil, I think that's a perfect role. If you're not going to have him be one of the key starters, keep him in that Manu Ginobili-like role off the bench because that's a defined role. That's something he needs. Don't change it. No, I think he would. Ex- I think he could win sixth man of the year. I think it's possible for him to do that either this year or next because – you put him with that second unit. He doesn't have to take shots from either B.I. or Zion. He can push the ball from, from end to end. He can defend at the top of the key. And he can steals. He can get blocked shots. He's, he can initiate offense occasionally. I don't want him to do it every time down the floor. I want him to look for his shot. That's, what you, that's exactly what you want him to be, is the guy who doesn't allow your offense to get into lulls. And he will find those shots for the rookies, for guy, for Trey, because Trey knows how to move off the ball. And I think that's another skill that a lot of this, this team does not have. Trey brings that to the table. I know how to find the soft spot in the defense. And we saw that with he and Najee in, in the summer league. Najee could drive and Trey would get to the spot. And those are two guys who are very young in this league, but they picked that up from day one with each other. And I think Trey's ability to seamlessly fit in, you know, you think about it, you transferred to Virginia, fit in, comes to the Pelicans in summer league, fits in, becomes all first team summer league. And then he comes now, and I think he's going to fill in that space. And that's an incredible thing to have out of a rookie who just gets it from day one. The grab at the 17th pick, it, it, it still astounds me that he fell that far. I honestly thought, I know we saw, what was it? There was three shooters sitting there, and uh, he was one of them. And But there were three teams still left to pick. So I was very shocked when he fell. Like I said, what was it? Houston grabbed the uh, big man from overseas. And um, I forget how it completely unfolded now. But, yeah, he, without a doubt, looks like the perfect fit next to Zion. Even B.I., right? Because he doesn't need the ball. And it showed, right? The last play of the game, he caught that. There was a defender in his face. I'm like, oh, boy, this is not going to end well. Because let's face it. He doesn't have that dribble game yet, you know, be able to create for himself. So, yeah, he's going to be a good, good guy for a long time. And I'll be curious to see how he expands his game. But for right now, he gives what this team needs. So I wouldn't be surprised if Willie and the coaching staff consider starting him if the starters need that boost. Yeah, I, I like it, it, it because it's it's not about that. You don't need a star in that in that fifth spot in the lineup. You have four legitimate NBA you know, impact starters in what you've got. What you need is a great role player in that spot. And I think that that's what um, he can make your outside shot, help on the glass, and don't get beat defensively. And that Trey can do all three of those things. He's an aggressive defender. And that was the whole key in summer league between he and Najee in particular was that they were the ones and her, they were the ones who constantly, it didn't matter who they were guarding, whether it was off a switch or whether it was their man they talked, they fought through screens. They did all those little things. The starters have to do that. We have to see that out of Devontae Graham. We have to see that out of Brandon Ingram. We have to see that out of Zion. 
are you going to match those kids' level of physical intensity? And the sad thing is that, um, well, not sad, but the funny thing is that um, Trey is older than Zion. So, you know, it's like, let's see some of this stuff. We, uh, I, I am, I don't ever want people to think that I'm pessimistic about this team. I just try to be as realistic as possible. And I know, you know, you got yesterday, I, you were on um, Jordy's show and um, he was like, Ollie the optimist, Ollie the optimist. And I'm like, I didn't hear what was so optimistic. I hear you giving positive evaluations and telling the things that you've heard, but you're also a realist. And I think that the ceiling for this team if they can be a game or two over 500, that's the ultimate ceiling. But most likely this is a team that hangs around 35 to 39 wins because there will there's already injury. And I think that that's the biggest thing. If Zion is not available for 70 plus games, that's a problem. And he's got to get to that point where he's able to play 72 nights a year um, at, at the very least, if not 80 and play good minutes, David. None of these burst type of games yeah. where he's limited under 20. No, that can't it makes, Let's close on that, Ali. If, if he comes back and they put him on these five-minute, three-minute bursts, I say just leave him out until you're ready to play him. Because if he's not going to play all the way, I think it disrupts the team more than it helps. We saw that. The guy in the four-minute bursts, I know he had that amazing debut against the Spurs. But, but they could have won that but game. But guess what? But but guess what? Before that last burst, he, he wasn't making an impact anywhere, right? In the first half, I want to say he maybe had one bucket, something like that. It wasn't until that fourth quarter, right? And, of course, when he's that hot, you have to take him out. No, no, no. It, it just – you can't play that way. I think you've got to come up with a different plan if you're the training staff. I'm not saying he gets – he comes back and he's got to play 33, 34 minutes a game. Just divide that time up to where it makes sense, right? Maybe playing for just – one decent stretch in each half. I don't, I don't know what the answer is there, but they've or got to figure whatever out. Whatever the minute total is, give the coach the discretion on how to use it. You know, like that's the part. Don't make it into bursts, but just say, coach, this is how many minutes you got Zion for tonight. You can play him for 25 minutes. Use him how you see fit. But he only gets 25. Okay, that's a big difference than saying he can only play for three minutes at a time. Yeah. Because how can you get any kind of – you know how it is. No, because Brandon's just, like, well, I got to give Zion the ball the first three minutes because he's only out here for three minutes. Right. You force and then he's everything. cold when he sits. Yeah, no. And everybody knows it, too. The defense knows. Oh, right. Zion's only playing a few minutes? Well, yep. when he's in the game, let's eliminate him. Let's because they're going to try to force wall the ball up. to him. Right. So if he's on the court, you have to make it to the point where he is one of the options and you're not forcing it into him. And how do you get rhythm with anybody? How do you get rhythm with anybody on a basketball court as a starter? It's not about bringing in Kyra for four minutes and then saying, go sit down. Nothing changes. But you bring Zion in for four minutes, you expect impact. You expect the needle to move. And there's no way you can do that if everybody – think about how much of that time is moving up and down the court that you're losing in that four-minute burst of not actual impact, of just him moving. So you you can't do anything in that time. And so they either play him – or don't, but don't do this game because fans don't want to see it. Zion certainly doesn't want to do it, and it will not help Willie Green. No, easy. Yeah, we've seen that experiment before. It failed. Don't try it again. But um, I'm looking forward to game two. You got the story on game two, and I got three and four, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to game two. We'll see how they do in the Smoothie King Center. I'm optimistic, but cautiously optimistic. How, is that how you Yeah, because, David, what, the errors we saw, the reason they lost the game is so cleanable. And for me, the things you wanted to see was improvement, individual individual improvement by certain guys that are going to be relied upon this season. And I thought, like I said, Nikhil, spectacular. Trey filled his role perfectly. And even Najee gave you what you saw in Summer League against better NBA competition. So, yeah, there was positives, without a doubt. I'm, I'm, I don't think you can say enough about Najee Marshall. I just I – just but I think, and you you told me this at practice, that Josh Hart had not looked as good, that he had been struggling with his shot. Um, he just looks the same, right? So for, yeah. for me, that's what, a 33 to 35% shooter. And, and you know. Still can't he, take people off the dribble. He's not he an athlete. He fills a role. There's no doubt he fills a role. I mean, I saw him yesterday competing, battling with centers for rebounds. And he came away with more than his share of them, right? And there was this one time where he went coast to coast but didn't finish, right? But more times than not, he's actually a good finisher, right? But the thing is, he's predictable. 
He's very limited. And so you don't want him taking away minutes, I think, from Najee, from Trey, from Nikhil, right? So that's going to be the interesting thing for Willie Green. Like in Najee, I think in Najee and in um, Herb, you have potential Rodman-like, like not this, that level. Maybe not Najee. Najee doesn't have the athleticism for me, but Herb does. Ooh, Herb, Herb is that. Yeah, Herb's a crazy athlete. Um, but I mean, I'm just saying in that type of hustle and contribution of those are the guys who will get dirty for you every night. And if you say defend the five, they'll defend a five. If you say defend the one, they'll defend the one. And they won't care. It may not be something that you want to do for long terms, but they're guys who embrace that. And you need, like, that's what you want from the starters. Until the starters get to that place, that's going to be the Pelicans' biggest problem. Until they get to that place where the starters say, we want to win this game on the defensive end. Because that's when you talk about Memphis. They won on the defensive end more often than not when we talk about Atlanta as a young team what helped them when when uh Nate McMillan took over they became a much better defensive team we just saw an NBA champion shoot less than 30 percent from three to win the title their four best players are all all defensive type players and Brooke Lopez being one of the best interior defenders as far as rim protection in the NBA the reason the Suns couldn't do it they didn't have enough defenders they didn't have enough length and they didn't have enough defenders. They could shoot. That was fine. But when it came down to it, they could not protect the paint against Giannis. You couldn't do those things. But the Suns pace, remember we talked about that? Near the bottom in pace, top five defensively. Mm-hmm. Knicks go from nothing to something, top 10 defensively, top five defensively. It wasn't about their offense. It's never going to be about the Pelicans' offense until they're a defensive team, until they can make it to the top 10. It's not going to be top half. It's not going to be top half. Denver, top 10. Utah, top 10. If you want to get to that place, if you want to be in the middle, fine, be top 15. But if you want to be a champion, you got to get top 10. Here, and you got, but you got to take a big step forward this year with the Pell. So I think what you're saying is you wouldn't be upset seeing, right? Something in the 15 ish type of right. range. Because, yeah, you Make can't the jump expect this that big year of a to jump. That. If you can get to the mid part of the league this year, then you're a playoff team. But to make the jump after that, you know, then you've got to get to that, that top 10. But that requires, ultimately, Zion and Brandon Ingram becoming top 15 defenders in this league. you got to have two. Name a team that, that won an NBA championship recently that doesn't have two all-NBA-level defenders. I Show it you. to me. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not BR Zion, it's got to be at least one, and then maybe, you know, a Jackson Hayes emerges, Nikhil, Trey, Herb, you know, maybe like that. But you're right, though. They've got to set a tone. They've got to at least try and be two-way players in this league, without a doubt. But we'll see what happens next on Wednesday when they're at home. And um, until then, Ali, you got anything you want to add? No, I think, man, we did a good job of covering everything. (laughs) All right. So until the next time, on behalf of Ali Cosell, I'm David Grubb. This has been the Bird Calls. Let's go, Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today